Hello and welcome to Ruth Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've just been to see Morbius, which is the third in Sony's Spider-Man universe, the sort of subsidiary universe to Marvel. These films are made in association with Marvel, because um, Sony bought these characters way back when. They made the original Spider-Man movies back in the early 2000s with Sam Raimi. Um, and then Marvel later decided it wanted to make its own movies, but it never had the rights to Spider-Man. And I'm guessing these characters came with it. That's why they're still Sony's. Right. But, you know, money is um, too big a deal to fight over, and so they've agreed that, you know, they're going to make all these movies together because money. So the first two were Venom and Venom Let There Be Carnage. We liked Venom. We didn't like Venom Let There Be Carnage, which we saw not that long ago. This is um, basically Venom again except it's got some Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in it, a bit of Batman, it's a vampire thing. All right, so Jared Leto is um, a doctor. He's, well, initially he's a very, very young boy with a blood condition that we don't get all that much information on, but he has to have three blood transfusions a day. It cripples him. He's walking with sticks. He's got a young friend, English lads. They grow up together. Um, Milo is, uh, as an adult, played by Matt Smith. And he has the same condition. He's crippled and very weak. And basically, they seem very close to death. Hmm. Um, he's also very, very wealthy and kind of bankrolls um, this secret research that Michael Morbius is doing. Uh, Michael Morbius is a doctor and he's brilliant. We see that from the start. He's introduced as such. He he's fixes, won a Nobel Prize. He's just won a Nobel Prize as well when he's, when he's older. But still, all this research he's doing on how to save himself is off the books. He does some DNA research. He manages to splice bat DNA... Um, into his own cells, which means that... Oh, it's, it's anticoagulant, that's it. So it must be a blood clotting thing. His blood clots all the time, so this thing stops him from clotting. But the side effect is he also becomes a vampire. Mm. Um, he needs to feed on blood. Luckily, he's invented artificial blood, which they said could never be done, so well done. Mm. But the effect of the artificial blood when he drinks it is wearing off, and pretty soon he's going to have to drink the human stuff. So he's very worried about that because he's got a conscience. His mate Milo, on the other hand, gets his hands on the same serum and is not so concerned with the well-being of others. So when I say it's like Venom, it's like Venom in that the villain is a version of the, of the main guy. Yes. You know, which Venom did, which Hulk did. It happens quite a lot in superhero things, yes. to be honest. There's quite a lot of Hulk moments in mm. this film. Yes, there's, there's Transformers. I am the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, in fact, he says, you wouldn't like me when I'm hungry at one point, which is yeah. such a direct joke mm. on it. Um... You said, you know, the reviews have been very bad. Yes. I said from the trailers, I think this looks like a big pile of poo. Well, and we were both right. I mean, it is it is pretty terrible. I mean, my view is that even the worst movies have, you know, redeeming value or reasons to see it. And I think this is true of this movie as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think for me, the discovery of this movie is how much fun Matt Smith is to watch. You know, and the difference between him and Jared Leto. I mean, every time Matt Smith is on screen, you know, there's an energy and he's doing something and he's being both villainous and watchable, mm. right? He's always doing something interesting, uh, yeah, either with his body posture or his face or, yeah, he's giving a performance. Whereas, you know, Jared Leto seems to be just hoping the camera picks up something. <laughs> I think the opposite, really. Um, I was. I've liked Matt Smith since we saw him in Last Night in Soho, which I think was a bit of a revelation to the both of us. Yes. 
Because I don't know that we were that familiar with his work on TV. I don't watch Doctor Who, so I didn't know him from anything. I don't watch Doctor Who, and I'd not seen anything else he'd been in. I, I think he might have been in like a Broadchurch type show, something like that. You know, one of the ITV crime things set on a windy beach. Anyway, not seen anything of him before, and it was a real revelation to find how charismatic he was mm. in the Edgar Wright film. Here, I think he's trying to bring some of that. Um, but I think too much of it is clouded by turning into a CGI head. You know. Oh, well, I think the CGI head is a problem. There's no question. I think that's a misjudgment of the film with him and with uh, Jared Leto. You know, I think it's one of the stupid decisions that, you know, Jared Leto must take some of the blame from because he's listed as, a, as an executive producer. Mm -hmm. But it's a huge misjudgment in a film like this, you know, to have several attractive stars and to be constantly showing them at their worst. Right, so you know, Jared Leto was painful to watch during the whole first third of the film because until he becomes a vampire, he's meant to be weak and the skin is blotchy, and you know. But actually, it means that it's kind of unpleasant to watch, really. I disagree with that. Okay, <laughs> I disagree with that. See, on the CGI head stuff, I think we're in agreement that it just it clouds the performances, and even though there is a purpose to it, these guys are transforming into these vampires. It's there are other ways of doing it. Well, it's too often, you know, yeah. and, and you don't get to feel the performance underneath it. Mm. Um, but as for the start, you know, when, when Jared Leto in particular is weak and desiccated and sunk and everything, I found him extremely endearing and likeable, and the performance was part of it as well. No, I, I, I don't agree. I um, thought he was dull beyond measure. I really liked him. Um, I thought he was dead, in fact. In fact, because I, I mentioned, yeah. I, I put on, I put on Twitter just the three words: "Morbius is shit." Like that's sort of enough, really. <laughs> and um, a friend, Leanne, uh, said, um, "I do have low leto tolerance, hence I'm going to swerve it." And I said, "I think, I think I have le low leto tolerance as well. Well, but actually, I like him in everything I see him in." Yes, I don't have. There's something about the idea of him that doesn't appeal. But actually, I think he's perfectly lovely all the time. I mean. I really liked him in Gucci. Also Gucci. You know, uh, and I don't agree with all the performances about like the prosthetics and so on. I think what's extraordinary is that he gave an extraordinarily original, I think, performance through the prosthetics that not many people could have done. He really did become a different person. But the performance lay in what emotion is conveyed, what effects are achieved, mm. yeah, whether he got laughs or not. And he's very successful at hitting all of those spots. So I'm a fan. But I think this is very dull, and he's very dull in it. And I think those decisions are a mistake. You know, you have the star of a film, which is going to be quite dark anyway. You know, you don't need to show his face like that. I mean, his body should be enough to show how incapacitated he is. Yeah, kind of. Why do you have to, like, you know, not give the audience the pleasure of the beauty of the performer? I disagree I, with that. I think you, I think you sometimes do overfocus on how we want to see beautiful people on screen looking beautiful. I think there's something really really expressive about the way he looks in this. Well, we disagree. Um, because I don't. Th I didn't think it was expressive. Uh, I thought it was kind of like unpleasant to watch. Uh, it was meant to be in contrast to his beefed up moment later on, which I didn't quite like that either. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, to me, he's dull. You know, there's a kind of an earnestness about the whole of the performance. Yeah, there's no wit in it at all. And I think actually that is in real contrast to Matt Smith you know, who, yeah, kind of instantly brings in this energy and this sexiness and this wit, and he's doing something with the character, right? Uh, whereas with, with Jared Leto, I think there's this methody, like, you know, 
intensity, but it never really bubbles up to the surface. You know, and I do think that there is this thing where the actor, there might be all this kind of, you know, internal turmoil going on, you know, uh, but you can't rely on the camera to pick it up because it's not picking it up, or at least as far as I'm concerned, it didn't register with me. Mm. I thought it was really dull, a dull performance. Fair enough. I and, liked and the it. difference, oh. sorry, to oh, no, and the contrast is with Tom Hardy, because I think in many ways, you know, the Venom films in this are... Oh, they're so similar. They're also yeah. about, you know, I have, I'm a good person, but there's a thing inside of me that needs to feed on people. Exactly. <laughs> so what makes the difference is the charge and the charisma and the beauty and so on that Tom Hardy brings to that performance. Mm. You know, and I think that's what we should be comparing Jared Leto to because yeah. that is what's missing. You know, it is kind of, you know, it's quite earnest, uh, uh, the performance, you know, and maybe well-meaning and maybe methodical, but I really found it dull. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, it's certainly not everything it could be, and, and you're right to compare it to Tom Hardy and Venom, which we, which is everything that you said, and we really liked it. I mean, this film lacks lacks all, any of all of the charm that that Venom had, which it totally had, no. is not present here. No. It wants to be taken very seriously. It's quite dark. Occasionally, that's kind of effective, but it, I think it relies too heavily on Matt Smith for its laughs and for its charm, and I don't think he's successful in bringing it out. And well, I think he's successful, but I think there's only so much he can do, right? Like because the film is so empty on every other level. Well, yeah. It's you know, it's thematically poor. It's kind of visually embarrassing, right? Like it's it's kind of you know, it, <laughs> it's what everybody who doesn't like Marvel films accuse Marvel films of being. Yeah, <laughs> I. It's just thin and underdeveloped uh, and over reliant on effects. An action, yeah, to give whatever mm. pleasures the film aims to give. It has no depth of any kind, no texture of any kind. It's really, I think, the the poorest effort I've seen in, you know, Marvel films. Yes, or Marvel, <clears throat> excuse me, Marvel adjacent, because um, it's you know not full on proper official Marvel. No, ah, okay, yeah, well, it's, it's, whatever. It's this Sony side universe. Um, I would say it 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 felt like it was over quickly for me. It's an hour and three quarters long, which is perfectly long enough for a movie you know it's not like it's it is short but um i think the reason that it felt like it was over quickly was that by the time it finishes it still feels like the film has hardly got going it's like it's telling this origin story the whole way through but it never feels like it hits a satisfactory third act no. and the final fight between uh Leto and smith is so quick mm. it's not like a proper f- i mean it should be i guess it's trying to be you know we're going into the subway tunnels and we've seen if you've been paying attention to the news ticker that there are these bats in there and the bats have become jared leto's friend and everything so like it's building to this big climax it's trying to be but it's over very very quickly with with um leto you know having formulated some anti-serum that will kill matt smith and he gets it in him very quickly and and in a way that's a blessing because i didn't really i didn't want much more of it <laughs> I mean, but it was bizarre how quickly it's like. Oh, that's and it. Was, it. it was so badly done, you know, because the whole film hangs on these two boys being lifelong friends. That one was the protector of the other. That they're beholden to each other. That their fates are tied together. Mm. And then, you know, the Matt Smith character is killed off with a, you know, without like any shedding of a tear. No, yeah, mm. I mean, it should have been like a hugely emotional moment, yes, right? It and an internal struggle. Why are you killing? The, the, the person you love most all your life, right? Yeah, it should have been a kind of, you know, an ethical kind of contest, a moral struggle, you know. No, it's, it's, it's devoid of all of that. I'm really, 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 really rather dumb. 
And uh, um, and when they kill the female Doctor character, what's the, what's the actress's name? Adria Arjona or Arjona. She's uh, Arjuna. from Puerto Rico. Yes. She's a Doctor who helps Morbius out, nice. and uh, they're obviously attracted to each other. And then she dies, and again, not not I mean, they're trying to go for some emotion there. It's not emotional enough. But then, because he sucks on her blood, he feeds on her blood, like that's when he accepts that I'm going to have to um, drink human blood. And Matt Smith's there to applaud him and say, welcome to the world of the vampires and so on. Um, you're thinking, well, I was thinking at least, like, is she gone or is she, or is, she is it a vampire thing? And is she going to come back to life? And right at the end, her eyes open and she is, she's clearly been vampirized. But then you're thinking, all the other people that we've seen get sucked to death. Are no. they they're coming back now? There was no. There was a. There was um. There's a difference between being sucked dry, and then what happened. But this is the film handles it so poorly. Mm. What happens is that a drop of blood. Oh yes. Yeah, drops Falls from his mouth. From his mouth onto hers, right? But then what didn't make sense to me is so then she revives a little bit, and then he sucks her dry, doesn't he? Does she revive then? It's... Well, her eyes open or whatever, right? Like you know, and he sucks her dry. Right. Well, but she writes it right at the end of the film in a shot that is disconnected from everything else. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. the second okay. to last shot. All right. So that says she's going to be back. Okay, good. Because I thought, you know, <laughs> so I missed that. There was, you know, so there is a, a payoff there mm. that I... But actually, that moment still didn't make sense to me. You know, that, yeah, so, you know, the, the blood falls, you see it go on her lips, you know, and then he, like, eats her up or sucks her dry, more like... Yeah. Well, I, he has I, I to feed. He has to feed. I know, but uh, there he doesn't been something well, in yeah, between. Yes, yeah. right. It should have been more. He he cries over her and everything, and then he accepts that she's dead, and so he feeds on her because he needs to feed. I guess right, that's okay. what it is. Anyway, the um, film is so bad on so many different levels. I thought the exposition of the powers that he's got. Mm. So the film makes this very poor attempt at dramatizing a growing awareness of what Morbius's powers are. Because he's learning about them too. Because he's learning about them. But at the end of the film, I'm still not quite clear on what they are. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, the, the echolocation is explained, I think, I mean, in dialogue. He, he says, I'm developing echolocation like a bat. Yeah. And as long as you have a reasonable understanding what echolocation is, it's very easy to interpret what he's saying. Yeah, you he know. can hear very well, basically. Um, the flying thing... Not very well explained because it's not quite that he can fly, but like when there's wind seems, currents, right? It seems to be about wind currents and him noticing and feeling them being able to fly off on them. Mm. So it's not exactly flights, but it's like more like like active gliding. It seems to be that he has yeah. difficult to tell. Um, the way it visualizes something that I did like is when he transforms, and sometimes he kind of transforms partially into a vampire when mm. these when these powers are becoming active, but he's not fully, you know, mm. going vampire. Um, you know, his eyes change, the pupils, and they become... I, I like that, but I thought the film could have done something more... Maybe. ...dramatic and beautiful with that. Maybe, but I did like it. Um, and y you see the world start to kind of... It doesn't even become fluid, it becomes, like, gaseous. You know, so the world that he's looking at, all these tower blocks and everything in wherever he is, New York... Um, they start to, they start to have like gaseous waves coming out of them and flowing and things, and it and it does I think convey this idea of how significantly the powers are changing him and affecting 
not just affecting like what he can do, but how he perceives the world. He perceives the world differently when he can do different things in it. Sure. You know, uh, I think it's quite pretty and quite effective. Well, yes, uh, up to a point. I mean, I did think that uh, demonstrating that liquidness or gaseousness mm. in the action scenes itself, you know, I found really distracting because you couldn't see the action very well. Yes. Um, so, uh, and also what I didn't like or understand was at some point he realizes he's got control over bats, <laughs> right? And you think, well, if he's got control over bats, why doesn't Matt Smith? Yeah. Maybe Matt Smith just hasn't realized it. He hasn't had bats in his room, but I agree. It's, um, yeah. But anyway, I mean, this is even giving the film more respect than it does. I mean, there's a, a moment where I poked you because, you know, I think in the first 10 minutes of the film, you realize everything was so poorly filmed. Like, you know, there were close-up shots with, like, half of the forehead missing, right? And, and you think, why? Like, you know, you could have at least, you know, kind of framed the head properly. There's no reason for the forehead to be missing, right? Like, you know, and you would get, like, lots of shots like that in mm. a way that just seemed, like, kind of ugly and unpleasant and, like, thoughtless and careless. I must say, you drew my attention to that shot, which is in the hospital early on, and it's the... Um it's the, the female doctor's head, mm. who, which is framed with, you know, the forehead is at the top of the frame. Um, you drew my attention to that, and I didn't really see what, what you would... I kind of got it. But then nothing else occurred to me in the rest of the film that was framed, like, egregiously bad like that. So oh, I, well, I, didn't, I just didn't... I just don't agree with that, I think. Well, I saw tons of examples, and the reason why that was poorly framed is not, you know... I mean, I, you know, you can frame somebody with half the forehead missing... Yeah, if then, like, I don't know, it's a tight close-up or whatever. But this was weird in the sense that half the forehead was missing, but then you saw her chest, right? So there was lots of room in the shot. You could have just kind of, you know, shown her full head. It seemed like lazy and careless, and it was part of a pattern. Yeah, mm. I, by, the point, by the time I nudged you, mm. you know, there had been, like, several examples of those choices, and you think, why? Well, fair enough. Um, yeah, I'll accept your judgment. And, and I do think it's a very poorly... Poorly designed and poorly shot film. I mean, it's terrible. You know, the the most striking shots to me in the uh, film were actually just kind of, you know, simple ones where the screen is divided in three and you see red and then like the back mm. of someone is just a shadow. And you think, okay, that's kind of, you know, visually interesting in its, in its most basic form. <laughs> yeah, it's just something that, you know... You could draw in a comic book, right? And like a, a simple mm, pattern. Mm. And, th and that's about the most interesting shots in the film. The rest was like piss poor, really. I like the sequence where the doctor is walking down the hall at night. Oh, it, I thought that was storybook, you know, well, simple it's, as well. It, it could, as it develops, it could be more effective. But at the start, really, I thought quite creepy. She's walking down and as she walks down the hall, lights subsequently turn on and turn off. And because the thing is, it's not realistic because... As you, you know, if these are motion-activated lights to save power, you would not turn them off, like so that there's complete darkness. You'd wait for the next one to go on before the last one goes off. You know. But that's the way it works in this, right? Each one goes off, then the next one comes on, and in those moments of darkness, there's someone going around the background, and also the way that they move, you know, when they're in vampire form, they move extremely quickly, and when you see it at that distance, that is quite. It's like when you see. Um, like you see a spider at the corner of your eye and it's just going it's like that right how's that creepiness also I liked when in the similar thing when early on Jared Leto has just sort of become a vampire for the first time I think and now he's turning back into 
his disabled, mm. broken, crippled self. Um, there are a couple of mo- like I think the performance is good because it's it's partly performance in that you know the, his legs go out from underneath him mm. and it's very convincing and he starts kind of losing control of his body. But there are definitely one or two moments that are enhanced by by computer editing where he some you know he like he a joint moves very very quickly far too quickly for him to have acted mm. it and it's but there's an there's an unnatural unnaturally quick progression of his worsening condition which i think again i really liked it's only mm. a moment but i did like that well um i agree that the shot the scene in the hallway is one of the best scenes in the film mm-hmm. i still think it's really basic mm-hmm. and textbook yeah and that is just a commentary on how bad you know all the rest of the films are you know when you think of uh, you know the set pieces the one on the boat Right or the one where he follows the forgers to set up his new headquarters. Mm. I mean, you think you know how a better director would have made something out of you know the locations even right. Mm. You know, much less the action and everything here seems like just inexpert. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, unskilled really. Yeah, actually worse than Venom Two, which is amazing. That's really <laughs> bad. <laughs> yes. And actually, the director of this, Daniel Espinosa. His last film was Life, which was that alien thing set on a spaceship where, like, a little bit of alien goo. In fact, because people kind of thought, oh, this might be like a prequel to Venom, because mm. it's this alien goo that just gets out on a spaceship and starts killing people, and then it winds up coming to Earth. Mm. Um, and people thought, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if that turned out to be like how the goo from Venom got onto mm. Earth? And it's not, right? It is a very because I watched it again not long, not long ago actually, and there are so many differences between that and everything, and that and that and the Spider-Man stuff that it could never have been that. But it was, it was a really effective little, you know, claustrophobic space sci-fi horror, right? This this has none of the none of the imagination, none of the expressions, none of the none of the shock or anything like that 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 had. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was unskilled. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I also thought, just the last thing, because the film also has Jared Harris, who, you know, I think is so great, and every time he's on, he brings something alive. But of course, his role is a nothing, and he's given nothing to do. Mm. So it just feels like, you know, even though he does bring a spark of life every time he's on, you feel he's wasted. Yeah. Mm. Did you notice that the boat, that they... Um do the pivotal experiment on was called the Murnau. No. Yes. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. But... Yes, Very clever. If you don't have the skill or the imagination, preference something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so really a huge pile of shit. Yes. Um, um, I like Matt Smith. I was very disappointed in Jared Leto and the film is really bad. Um... Jared Leto, I just think, you know, I, I want to kiss him, and that makes me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> All right. Well, on that <laughs> note, thank you very much for listening. We're eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>
I mean, there were moments where I was thinking, oh my God, I just want this to end, right? And you know, like he is, he is very beautiful and I think he's a very good actor. And yet I was bored watching him. Mm. Yeah. And you think almost, well, that is the test of a star. He's your favorite Joker. Is well, he still your favorite Joker? I, I really liked him as a Joker, but no, my favorite Joker would have to be Heath Ledger, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Who's the one just... No, just... Jack Nicholson. Are you kidding? I love no, Jack Nicholson. Don't ask me if I'm kidding. I didn't say anything. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> who's, the, who's the one just recently that we saw? Um, oh, the uh, Barry Keegan in the new one, yeah. He looks like he'll be quite exciting. Because they've really gone back to the Conrad Wright thing that, that inspired the Joker in the first place. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. Yes, I must say, I kind of... I think I've, I, you know, every Joker has something, something, even, yeah. even Cesar Romero. I do feel case. like we're getting into Joker fatigue now because they keep on fucking doing it. Yes. You know, at a rate well, of knots. I kind of think there's almost like a superhero fatigue, really. I think they've got to figure out yeah. a new way of doing these films. Also, you wouldn't, did you say in Dallas Buyers Club that Jared Leto should be more beautiful and less desiccated? No. Or did you show respect? No, but that's a very different kind of role, right? Like, you know, this is the central performance in a kind in a commercial film. He's cast as a star for a reason. Yeah, I think there are kind of, um, and I, I'm not just being superficial. I really do think, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of these things are important in, in 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 film. So I think there's a difference when you're playing like a supporting part, and really it's kind of like an acting turn as like this, you know, drag queen who dies of AIDS, that calls on for different things than. You know, you are meant to be Morbius. I mean, you have to bring kind of, you know, charisma and beauty and energy and, yeah, kind of to the role, even when you're playing, you know, a vampire. Yeah, like, and actually, if you think about it, like, kind of, you know, almost everyone who's played, you know, a vampire, yeah, kind of um, has brought in those things from Tom Cruise, Antonio Banderas, Brad Pitt, even Klaus Kitsky. Or, you know, I forget who the original Nosferatu was. I mean, actually, he looked like a rat. But, you know. Um, but again, he was the villain of the piece. Here, you know, he's the hero. Right? So, so I do think that... Max you know, Shrek, of course. Max Shrek, yes. I do think that, you know, when you see him with his sunken skin and also, you know, the freckles, but they look like liver spots and... And actually, it looks almost too realistic. I mean, it is just very unattractive. Yeah. Mm. Um, Fair enough. I, I, I like it. I also like the way the CGI. Um, yeah, you know, I think we're in agreement that overall it's heavy use detracting the performances. But um, I do like the way that when you see it in transformation from man to vampire, it eats into the face. I, well, know? I like that. I like that actually, but I just wish that would have been. A moment, right? Mm. Like, yeah, kind of a second of transition or something, you know. But then to have that look stay so often on the film, on the screen, mm. well, I th as you said, it, it attracts from the performances. It's unattractive to see. It doesn't bring anything more expressive to it, you know. It's so. just a badly conceptualized film throughout, uh, basically. Like mm. It needs it needs going back to to a first, what's it, a page one rewrite, whatever they call it. Yes, to start again. And also, what Marvel films are accused of is you know, that, well, they're, they're garbage, right? So they're thin, <laughs> right? It's just like kind of all these cheap effects and action sequences, but really the films offer you nothing, which I think is wrong, right? Like, you know, some of the films are better and some of the films are worse, mm. but the best films are textured and, yeah, they have depth and, you know, I think um, 
what's uh, the one set in Africa? Black the, Panther. Black Panther. You know, I think it's great. Right. This is really what people who hate Marvel films say Marvel films are like. It's mm. thin, you know, it's not thought through, it's kind of thematically slack and loose, it has no depth, you know, uh, though it's, you know, under it has a, a surface struggle between right and wrong, but really that's banal. Mm. Yeah, um, so, yeah, yeah, it's kind of, we can't be the dead horse anymore. <laughs> it's like, terrible. <laughs>